<laughs> good morning. You all look good. Um, we are going to uh, jump into this series. We've been in a series called Faith Connections. And what it entails is what we have to connect in our own life to get faith to work. In other words, there are things that we have to add. People say, well, you don't have to add nothing to faith. But there's a scripture, and I taught a whole series out of it, on adding to your faith. It, the word says it, add to your faith. But if we want faith to work, sometimes we don't have things connected right. Come on. And so for the last three weeks, we have looked at, for four weeks, we've looked at our thoughts. On getting our thought life straight, getting our mentality rate, rate straight, on uh, just being able to think properly because if you think wrong, then you're going to believe wrong. And if you believe wrong, you're going to speak wrong. And if you speak wrong, your life will only go in the direction of your words. Now, we're going to look at some things today that uh, is going to look into that a little bit more. Um, but we have to be led by our spirit, folks. Last week, we talked about how, why we can't be led by our emotions. Because emotions can't be trusted. Emotions can be manipulated. Uh, so we looked at that. So here's what I want you to do. Go to Genesis chapter 1. And uh, we're going to start, guess where? In the beginning. <laughs> I'll just grab one. We got waters everywhere. In Genesis chapter 1, look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, he said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over uh, the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created, uh, he created them, male and female, he created them. So first off, what you need to know is you are made intricately made in the direct image of God. You have been placed on this earth to be a representation of God. That's why you carry that image. <laughs> and so when God set Adam up, he basically gave Adam the earth. He said, this is yours. Have dominion over it. Have dominion over fish, have dominion over birds, have dominion over all the animals, have dominion over all the livestock. And so what he's saying is this earth is yours because I made you just like me. He made us to be just like him so that we would reflect everything. If you want a really good translation of this, look at this up in the message. It's a beautiful, beautiful way of, uh, of reading that one. But he said, uh, let us make man in our image. So we are created in the image of God. So if we were created in the image of God, we were created to act like God. Mm. Well, how did God act? <laughs> don't, don't put your little religious mind too much to work here. Because he probably didn't act the way you think he did. In Genesis 1, verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24. You know how everything was created? 
It says, and God said. And God said, and it was. 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 So God creates by his words. And you were made. Come on. So what is one of our jobs? To create by our words. Mm. You're one of those, yes? I, hey. <laughs> Becky, I'm not one of those. He is. He said, let us make man. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at verse 7. If we are created in that image, after that likeness, the message translation of that, Ryan says, we are created as a reflection of his nature. But look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. Anybody, let's get, let's get theological real quick. Anybody know what the word man means in Hebrew? Adam. It's where Adam got his name. It's a hum- it means humanity. <laughs> and God created man, and the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So God took his time. He formed man. Everything else he spoke into existence. The only thing that he took his time to create, and when it, the word there says uh, he made him, it says he squeezed him. He squeezed all the dirt, the dust together. And so the only thing he took his time to make was the, was the shell for man. And then he walked down and looked over man, and he breathed into man, and man became, and, and this is not a really great translation. How many of you know Jesus did not speak King James Version? (laughs) He just didn't. I don't know where we got that idea. I don't know why we come up with that. Why do you think there's a V on the end of that? Come on. So it's what, Brent? (laughs) Jesus actually spoke what's known as Aramaic. And, you know, after a while, the Hebrew language became dead till the 1800s anyhow. Do you know that there are still words in the Hebrew language that they they have yet to translate? There's over a hundred and some words. So what they did, they transliterated some things. Well, this sounds about right, so let's throw that in there. Come on with me. I know, here goes the rug. What Jesus actually spoke, which he probably spoke a few languages, because during his time, the Jewish people spoke Aramaic. They spoke Greek as well. Okay? So what they would have read is something called the Targum on Nicholas. Anybody ever heard that one? If you've been around here, you've heard it. Now, what the Targum on Nicholas is, It is the primary Jewish Aramaic translation of the Torah. It was the primary. In other words, this is the one Jesus would have had. 
It's the primary Jewish translation in Aramaic. It's, it's still today accepted as an authoritative translated text of the first five books. And Yemenite Jewish people still read it. So why are you telling me all this? Because when we read this verse again, you're going to see what God actually did in the garden. How they were in it. How Jesus would have read it. <laughs> go to, well, well, let's just go there because you can't turn there. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 from the Targum Monoculus said this. It said, and the Lord created Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed upon his face the breath of lives. And it became that breath in him. It, it became in Adam a speaking spirit. So when God created man, he created him just like him, so much so that he created him to be a speaking spirit. Only after man sinned was he covered with skin. Man became, it became in man a speaking spirit. And that's why he says that man is created in the image of God. He, be, he was created to be a speaking spirit. Folks, I'm here to tell you that our creator, the one who put earth into motion, the one who called it sun, it's moon, it's sea, it's land, it's birds, it's fish, and everything, everything was created by his words. And then he put man and breathed his spirit into man. And it became in man a speaking spirit. So if we're going to follow God's example and be what God has created us to be, your words are important. <laughs> what, what you speak over yourself is important. What you say, you realize there's a scripture that says, that every man will give account to every idle word. Now, for some reason, we got this in our head that that means cuss words. <laughs> that word idle means lazy. In other words, you didn't do enough in yourself to speak the right words over yourself. And then he's going to look at me, Jody, and say, Brent, you got to give account for these words that you have spoken. Man, if we really thought about that, we would be very careful of the words that come out of our mouth. Amen. We would be very careful of what we say. And so I need to ask a question of you today. What are you saying? What are the words that's coming? Because in the beginning, man was created to be a speaking spirit. The last Adam came to put everything back in place. Folks, we've said it through at different times throughout this whole series. What you think on is what you'll believe. What you believe is what you will speak. And what you speak will create a reality in your life. What you speak will create a reality. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 12. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can believe that. Except what does he say in Romans about even your salvation? He who confesses with his 
creates a reality. It brings you into agreement with the reality of heaven. That he has died for your sin. That he already took care of it and settled it. Your words bring you into that agreement. Come on. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. And I'm going to read this from the message. He says, you have the minds like, you have minds like a snake pit. You have minds like snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? I love how the message puts that. The mind makes the mouth speak. <laughs> he didn't say, you're so foul-mouthed. He said, you're foul-minded. So how can your words have any uh, 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 worth? He said, it's, it's your heart. Here, King James Version, you ready? Out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We've settled that. It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. So what's in the heart comes out the mouth. So if my, my thinking's off, then my, see, we're just tying everything together over the last four weeks. If my thinking's off, then my believing's off. And if my believing's off, my words are going to be off. And whatever words that I'm speaking are creating realities in my life. He said, it's your heart, not the dictionary that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words, idle, King James says. Every one of your careless words is going to come back to haunt you. <laughs> Every man will give account for the idle words, King James says. I like this. He says, all your careless words will come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can be your damnation. Whew. So what I speak over myself, Sandy, what I declare over myself can either bring me into safety, into salvation, or can actually bring condemnation to me. So now let me ask you this. What are you saying? What, how, what words come up out of your mouth? When you look in the mirror, what do you say about yourself? When you think of who you are, how are you speaking over yourself? When you're going through sickness, what are the words that are coming out of your mouth? When you're broke as a joke and you can't pay last month, what are the words that's coming out of your mouth? You see, we are creating, we're creating a reality by the words that come out of our mouth. So in that reality, guess who's in charge? <laughs> you. You. There's, we can't blame anybody else. Let me read the last part of that again. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. I would keep my mouth shut if I thought about that all the time. If I had to give account for all these careless words, 
There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can be your damnation. <laughs> your life will only produce what you focus on. You're, you're, the, you're the greatest Polaroid camera there ever was. So what's your focus? Because what's your focus is what you'll talk. What you talk will be what you create. Go to James chapter, I think, 1. Or no, I'm sorry, James chapter 3. What are you speaking over your marriages? What are you speaking over your kids? Uh, what are you speaking over your job? Remember, you're created to be a speaking spirit. Just like God who created by his words. In James chapter 3, look at verse 2. We all err in many ways. But if a man does, err, does not err in word, he is a perfect man and able also to control the whole body. If I don't mess my words up, James says that I'm able to control my whole body. Oh, goodness. <laughs> People say, well, we're just not that powerful. But God made us to be like him. Speaking spirits, verse 2, verse 3, sorry. So see how we put bits in, in the mouths of horses that they may obey us. And we control what? Their whole bodies. I've got... A guy back there that was uh, rolled mules for years. I've got horse people right here. What's that bit do, Kevin? But what's it turning first? The head. The mouth turns the head. And where the head goes, the body follows. So we put bits in a horse's mouth so that we could get a good little jerk. This side, that side, or straight back. I've rode a couple times. <laughs> but by doing this little tiny thing can control that thousand pound animal or however much they weigh. This thing, this big, right? Well, it's probably a little bit wider than that. Controls that. This little thing right here Controls all of this. Yeah. And don't look at me that way. You got one too. Yeah. <laughs> and that little thing inside your cheeks has the ability to turn your whole life. Yeah. Has the ability to turn your whole body. So if we would really think about this, we would be very careful of words that we speak. Let's go on. He said, observe ships. Though they are so great and driven by fierce winds, yet they are directed with a, really, a, a very small rudder wherever the captain pleases. <laughs> Ships are turned by the rudder, one of the smallest parts of the ship. Okay, verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little part of the body, 
and boast great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. <laughs> Verse six. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil. Well, how can the tongue be a fire in a world of evil? Because it hasn't waken up to this salvation you're in yet. We still have to work on this thing. We still have to straighten this thing out. And he said, so the, 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 the tongue is a fire and it's a world of evil. The tongue is among the, uh, is among the parts of the body defiling the whole body. Whew. You understand what these words are telling us here. The tongue defiles the whole body. Just like a bit in a horse's mouth will control that animal, a rudder on a ship will control that boat, so the tongue in your, in your cranial cavity <laughs> will control where you go. It controls, I'm, I'm telling you, folks, if we can just grab this and start now, we start getting our thoughts life, our thought life straight. We start quit living by our emotions. We enjoy them in praise and worship when God gives them to us, but they're not going to control me. And then I get control of my words. He says that I can control my whole body. The whole outcome of me is then controlled. All kinds of, uh, we're, okay, verse 6, that's where I was at. And setting the course of nature on fire. What does the tongue set on fire? The course of The natural nature. Oh, my goodness. The tongue controls the nature and has the ability to. Verse, where are we at? Verse 7. All kinds of beasts and birds and serpents all, all, and things in the sea are tamed or have been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly, evil, and full of deadly poison. Now, when we hear that, we could get real down if we let ourselves. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. If the tongue turns my whole body, but no man can tame the tongue. Mm. And, but the thing is, we've got to read this in, a, in the context of what it's written. We see that great things are controlled by that tongue. Rudders turn ships as the captain pleases. Horses are turned by the, as the rider pleases. So why can't I tame my tongue? The Lord, Holy Spirit said to, said to me this week when I was reading this, he said, it, 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 it's like a dog that you just can't housebreak. You don't leave it alone. Listen, Dee and I had this big 80-pound pit bull one day, one day for a while. We get, we get home from church. Dee beats me on the front porch and says, do not kill it. <laughs> because we left... And our couch became the chew toy. He ripped the cover completely off the couch. Guess what we didn't leave, do to that dog anymore? We couldn't leave it alone. But a good house broke dog, a good tamed animal, you can leave it and it'll be okay. 
So what he tells us about our tongue is you have to constantly be on top of what it's doing, what it's saying, what comes out of it, the words that are forming. You can't just leave it alone and expect your life to have a great result in the end. You have to get a control of your tongue. Start watching your mouth. Mm. The word, <laughs> the word tame The word tame, I'm, I'm wearing stuff all day. Um, the word tame there, it, 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 taming, here's the definition. Taming is the condition of behavioral modification of a wild animal. You know what you can't do? You can't leave it by itself because you can't change its behavior. It's going to do what it's going to do. And I don't know how many times that I've sat down and just blah, 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 blah. And just ran off in my mouth saying all kinds of stuff about, all kinds of things about my life and declaring all kinds of stupid stuff over myself. Well, if it's gonna go bad, it's gonna go bad for me. I know, I'm the only one that's ever said that. I can't get nothing to go right in my life. I don't think there's hope for our marriage. I don't think there's hope for my children. Now again, we'll get in, we could get into all kinds of other stuff about you can't manipulate people and people are going to do what people are going to do. But I tell you what, I don't have to let my mouth run about it. I don't think I'm ever going to get over this. <coughs> what am I doing? I'm creating, I'm, I'm steering the reality of my life. And it can't be tamed if left alone. So it takes constant work. Controlling our thoughts. Controlling our beliefs. Not living by our emotions. And then start watching the words that are coming out of our mouth. We can't get lazy with our words with our tongue, because it will revert to its old ways. You can't get lazy. You're going to have to stay on top of this. <laughs> Let's read verse 8 again. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. <laughs> who are made in the image of God. He said, we turn around here and we bless the Lord and then I let every, somebody else know, I can't stand Tyler. Well, what's it say there? It said he's made in the image of God. Imagine if you looked at people that way before you opened your mouth to say something about them. That they are created in the image of God. When you look at them, you are looking at the express image of God. I, they don't look like God. I'm telling you they do. Because that's how man was created. He was created in the image of God. After the nature of God. And he says, with it, we're coming here to try to praise the Lord. And then we say all kinds of stuff about other people. Who's made in the image of God. And we expect to be blessed out of this. My goodness. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. My brothers, 
these things ought not be so. There's the example. Don't go blessing God and running your mouth on Tyler. Don't try to come blessing and praising God when you just ran Monica down for 15 minutes for her life choices. <laughs> come on. Don't try to come in blessing God when I've spoke all manner of negativity over my own life. Because I'm created in his image too. D, she shared it in, in marriage, in our marriage class here a while back. She uh, was down on herself one day. And so she started saying these things. And I stopped her. I said, well, wait a minute. I wouldn't let anybody else talk about my wife like that. I'm not going to let you talk about my wife like that. I wonder what God thinks when I tell him how bad I am. How he somehow messed up. That he somehow got it wrong with me. That this part of me is not right and it needs fixed. I wonder what God says. How, who are you to judge the creation that I have made? He says, you bless the Lord with your mouth and then curse men who are made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 2. I'll give you time to write it, type it, or whatever. I know Bobby's on it already. Proverbs 2, verse, chapter 13, verse 2. Proverbs 13, verse 2. I will get it right in a minute. <laughs> chapter 13, verse 2. A man will eat by the fruit of his mouth. Now, we got to get what he's talking about here. What is the fruit of your mouth? Well, first, what is fruit? Fruit is something produced you go to an apple tree it produces apples so a man will eat by the produce of his mouth what will fill you will be what you speak you will eat by the produce by the fruit of your mouth but the soul of the transgressor will eat violence now you ready? They're ready. Verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. <laughs> he who guards his mouth preserves his life. In other words, if I will take authority over my own tongue... Watch the words that are coming out of my own mouth. I have the ability by the God that is in me to preserve my own life. Sometimes we're believing for God's stuff. We're believing for God for stuff. We're believing for God for stuff. But this part of our lives is not connected to our faith. This is why this is called faith connections. You can have all the faith in the world, but if these don't connect, because I will only produce what I speak. You will only produce what 
what you speak. Well, how long do I have to speak it? I don't know. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips, he who runs off at the mouth, he who lets his words get ahead of him, what will he eat? He will have destruction. I'm challenging you today as we tie this whole series up. We finish it all. We put it all together. One of the last steps that we need to put together is getting control of that. Because you know how easy it is to get negative? I don't even have to try hard, Marcy. <laughs> I don't have to try hard. But there are days when I have to work up the energy just to speak and declare good things over my life. Because you know why? I don't feel it. I have to declare health and healing over my life even when I'm sick. Why? Because this horse needs turned around. And so my words are going to do that. Well, how do I do it? You get into the Word of God. Go back and watch Wednesday night's message. What are the power of your words? We're, we're, we're getting there. Jesus gets off a boat. He had just cast a demon out of a man. Actually, we know that the de we cast several demons out of a man because his name was Legion into a bunch of pigs. Pigs drowned themselves. Jesus gets on the boat, crosses the boat, gets off the boat, and is met by a leader of the, of, of the synagogue named Jairus. Jairus says, my daughter is sick at home. He said, if you'll just come home with me, that you can lay your hands on her, and she will be healed. So Jesus said, fine with me, let's go. So as he's walking, go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. As he's walking, so Jesus went with him. I mean, verse 24 of Mark 5. So Jesus went with him, and many people followed and pressed in on him. In other words, he was crowded. And a certain woman who had a hemorrhage, King James says, uh, issue of blood. And a certain woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years had suffered much under many physicians. She had spent all she had and was not better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the crowd behind him and touched his garment. For she said, if I may just touch his garments, I shall be healed. And immediately her hemorrhage dried up, and she felt her body that she was she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And at once Jesus knew within himself that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said, His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, against you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done, that, done it. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened, 
to her, came and fell down before him and told him the entire truth. And Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Some things we need to know about that. Her faith put a draw on Jesus' power without him even knowing it. She didn't need Jesus to turn around and see her. She didn't need Jesus to lay hands on her because she had said. It become part of her vocabulary. If I can get to him, I will be healed. If I can just touch his, I don't have to touch his hand. I don't have to touch his feet. I just need his clothes. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. If I can reach out. And she continued. Can you imagine what she was thinking as she fought her way through this crowd? In her mind, she's going, if I can touch him. If I can touch him. If I can touch him, I'll be healed. If I can Most of us would have already given up. And our confession would have became something different. Oh, I really wanted to get to him, but I can't get to him. And I guess it's just not my, I guess it's just not God's will. She said, go back to that verse. What verse is that? Verse uh, 28. For she said, what did she do? Her words was an expression of her faith. Can you imagine God stepping out on the edge of nothing? And he said, he had faith in his own word. My problem is sometimes, Sandy, I don't have faith in my own words. And whether I want to have faith in them or not, they are still creating something. Because that's what I was created to be, a speaking spirit. Man, if you're a, a, a negative person, I hope you're listening. She said in herself, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, the expression of her faith the expression of her faith was her words. So what is the expression of your faith? What are you saying? This is power. Go to Proverbs 18. Everybody knows this, but I don't think we understand the power of it. Proverbs 18, verse 7. A fool's mouth... Is his destruction. And his lips are the snare of his soul. His lips are the snare of his soul. Jump down to verse 20. A man's stomach will be satisfied with the produce of his mouth, with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips... Will he be filled? What am I filled with? I'm filled with whatever the words that are coming out. A fool's mouth is his destruction. 
<laughs> a fool's mouth is his destruction. His lips are a snare for the soul. A man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. Maybe some of us need to repent right now, Kevin. Of the words we speak. How powerful are these words? Go, Bob. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What, so what lies in the power of your tongue? Death or life? You choose. <coughs> it's your choice. What are you declaring over yourself? What are you speaking over yourself? Well, I've been declaring the same thing for 10 years. Now, remember, what do we decide? If we're going to trust God, we're going to walk on faith, we're going to do it for, we're going to say, we give him how long to do it. 100 years. If he does it in 10, he's ahead of schedule. If he does it in 20, he's still ahead of schedule. I can't say the same thing for 20 years. Why? If you give up, guess what you got? Same thing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who love it will eat its fruit. And I told my wife this morning I was not going to this next set of scriptures, and it won't be on your screen. Go to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And if Bobby or whoever's running that, if you can figure out how to get it up there, great. There is a way. Mark 11, verse 22. He says, Verily I say unto you, have faith in God. Is that what it says? You got your Bibles in front of you? And Verily I say unto you, have faith in God. There's another bad translation. The original translation of that, Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth, have the faith of God. So he's declaring you to have God's kind of faith. Well, how can I have God's kind of faith? Because you're made in God's image. A speaking spirit that carries the spirit of God on the inside. So he says, verily I say unto you, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Verse 23, for whosoever shall say to this mountain, so what to the mountain? Say. You don't have to think about it. I'm going to think it. No, he didn't say think it. He said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. Sometimes you need to speak to your mountain. Sometimes you need to speak to your mountain. Because it will not move until... Until there's a word. In the beginning, God created the heaven. I'm, in, I'm Genesis 1 right now. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and the earth was void. And darkness covered the face of the deep. And the, the word says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Well, if the Holy Spirit was there, why was the earth without form and void? It was waiting on a word. He was waiting on a word. And God said, 
And then the Holy Spirit moved and created. What are you waiting to say? What are the words coming out of your mouth? Back to Mark. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says, or whoever's looking at, saith, if you're looking at King James, but shall believe what he says will come to pass. He says he will have what? Whatever he says. Don't tell me words aren't important to God. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. Say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe the things which he says. Shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. And in verse 24, he says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you have them. That's past tense. When you're going into God, you've got to believe it's already yours. Whatever you're asking for, you've got to believe you're already in possession of it. You've got to believe you're already in possession. He says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you received them and you shall have them. Your belief and the words come together. And when they come together, mountains move. So what are you saying? What are you saying right now over your own life? What have you been saying over your marriage? What have you been saying over your children? What are you saying over your health? What are you saying over your finances? What are you saying? Because your life will only take the direction of the words. <clears throat> Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify and magnify you in the beauty of your holiness. Father, let us put it all together. Let me get my mind right. Let me get my thinking straight. So when my thinking straight, my believing will be straight. When my believing straight, my speaking will be straight. When my speaking straight, my life creates a whole new reality. So Father, put me in mind of my tongue. Put me in mind of the words that are coming out of my mouth. And I will give you praise and glory forever. Amen.